the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Dieter Kurtenbach is back in the building. Triumphant return of the man. You can see him on camera if you're watching on the YouTube show. It's beautiful. Dieter, what's going on, buddy? Sam, it's been so long since I've heard those wonderful, wonderful tones coming into headphones that aren't just attached to a podcast player. It's a beautiful thing. We're back. Game Theory, baby. Let's do it. It's wild. Let's go have some fun. Dieter, it's been, you know, what? Probably probably six months since you've been on the show, something like that. That sounds about right. It's been yeah, a no. while. I do a semi annual. Well, this semi-annual is <laughs> We need we need to make it more often, but like you have radio, you have actual life things happening right now. So that, that makes it difficult to find time. Well, the beautiful thing is basketball season is, is effectively over for me. Uh uh it went on a little bit longer than I expected with the Warriors and uh kind of like old times, but no, nah, man, it's great to be back. And uh, the NBA chaos never stops, not even for me. So we got plenty to get into this evening. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Warriors at the end. But first, we want to talk about some of the crazy free agency stuff that has happened over the course of the last week. And I think that the first place to start is that the first enormous offseason trade has happened. That has been the talk throughout the offseason that there would be a number of big trades this year because the free agency market is not particularly uh, well-stocked with great options. DeJounte Murray is going from the San Antonio Spurs to the Atlanta Hawks, essentially for three first-round picks, two unprotected first-round picks from the Atlanta Hawks, uh, a unprotected pick swap that I believe is in 2026 sounds right that sounds right uh, and then also they get yeah. a 2023 pick as well from a I think the Charlotte Hornets if I remember Charlotte Hornets it might be lottery protected uh, that's a messy part yes I believe it is so what are your immediate thoughts on this because this was a weird one to me, I, I wasn't entirely sure what to make of it. Everyone is kind of mm-hmm. saying, oh, this is a home run. This is the kind of great defensive guard that you need to put next to Trey Young. And on some level, I agree with that for sure. But I, I have a couple of skeptical thoughts as well. And I'd love to hear your reaction immediately first. Yeah, it, there had been some buzz about Murray in Atlanta for, for a while now. Obviously, his name has been attached to so many other places that Atlanta felt like that was just somebody tossing it in there just to see if it would stick. But then we find out today that that it ends up being the case. Uh, It's not the most obvious backcourt pairing in the NBA. Uh, If you were to somehow get Trey Young and DeJounte Murray together in the Jeff Goldblum fly machine, you would have the perfect point guard because you get Murray's defense, you get Trey Young's offense. And I think that's ultimately what Atlanta's going for here. And that's not to say it's a bad thing. There's a lot of value to having two all-star caliber point guards, hell, one perhaps an MVP caliber point guard on the floor for 48 minutes a game and together late in games for serious stretches of the games. I think that it can work. My question is, is either of them viable off ball? We, we've seen this. Yeah, I think the best example that we could look at is maybe like James Harden and Chris Paul. That was two point guards, two ball dominant guys, but like Chris Paul is so good at, spotting up and shooting. James Harden was a shooting guard until he went to Houston. And it's not to say that it was perfect. Uh, And especially on the defensive side, there were certainly some issues, mostly James Harden's, but it worked. And maybe this is just a a perfect mesh. I'm really interested to see 
what kind of offense they're going to run, because I do think you have to divest yourself a little bit from the straight pick and roll stuff that they've been running nonstop with Trey Young. You cannot have just that 40% usage rate stuff with Trey Young anymore. It has to be a little bit more motion. And if they can find the right balance, it could be really, really dangerous and really, really fun to watch. I think that's the, the first thing that came to mind for me. It's like, ooh, if that thing clicks, that's going to be fun as hell because both of those guys can really light it up. Um, and defensively, Atlanta really needed just somebody to defend anybody on the perimeter just like once. And DeJounte Murray's going to do way more than that. I know he's not a, a sort of defensive player of the year caliber anymore, but he is a consistent contender for all defensive teams, even after his ACL injury. So uh, this is the big swing for Atlanta. They still have the John Collins thing that's floating out there yep. at a certain point. It's like, maybe they just keep him. Like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. It's been two years now yep. of floating John Collins and he didn't even go in this trade. So is he ever going to go? Uh, and I, I just, Atlanta needed to make the move though. Right. I know that it, it's difficult to compare to that sort of post-pandemic season, that very first one, 2020-2021. But they went to the Eastern Conference Final, and they did not maintain that momentum, to say the least, going into this season. Call the first go-around a fluke or whatever. Like, they should be in the mix in an Eastern Conference that's damn good, but not prohibitive in terms of them getting into it. So they're going to have to do big things. You know, they bring in Landry Fields as the GM. He's going to have a lot of control over what they're done. Clearly he does at this point. I know this is a Landry Fields sort of move. Obviously Travis and all that from up high is giving it the A-OK, but the day-to-day stuff is being handled by by Landry. And uh, I, I, I don't think they're done, but this alone I do think should make them better because what did they give? I mean, they were probably going to waive Gallinari for luxury tax purposes. It, it was just a justifiable thing to do. They didn't lose any players. They lost some draft picks. They're making what I think is a sane bet that those draft picks aren't going to be worth all that much. And, um, you know, I think we all read the Kevin Arnovitz piece uh, on the Phoenix Suns saying the draft, eh, not that big a deal. Maybe the the Hawks are buying into that and think that they can go from there. But I think it was a really good trade for for both teams because San Antonio, there's no value in being in the play-in tournament every year. Not not when you can't attract free agents. Yeah. And uh, so bottoming out, getting into the getting into the <laughs> – the, the tanking process for this upcoming draft class, that seems like a pretty solid move, even with the wor- you know, worsening lottery numbers and just giving themselves a chance and probably the next coach at some point in the next couple of years, a chance to build up something new uh, seem necessary. And DeJounte Murray, as great as he is, and as much as you want to keep a really good player like that, he had just kind of gotten over the edge in terms of age. It, it wasn't going to be part of a young core. He, he was in that kind of weird yeah. middle ground. And so getting him well, to yeah, a place it's, that's it's, going it's up. The yeah. Same thing. Yeah. That happened with Derek white as well. Derek white was right. a 23 year old when he was drafted and, yeah. you know, already is 27, 28 years old. And he just didn't fit the timeline. And DeJounte's younger than Derek white for sure. Right. But the age timeline for DeJounte and this core which mm-hmm. I think they think of as Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Josh Primo, the three rookies they brought in this year, all of whom are teenagers. Uh, I think that they're thinking of it more in a longer term variety and they still don't have the star. Atlanta is the much more interesting side here to me because one thing they've struggled with, with Trey young is finding real backup point guard minutes 
with yeah. DeJounte Murray now. They can just have DeJounte run the second unit. They're not going to fucking hemorrhage points anymore when Trey Young leaves the court. And they, they're they might be able to get really Trey good a little bit. Because they're a deep team. Totally. Yeah, like they're, they're going to be able to actually now run real offense in the second unit. The, the question that I have is something you alluded to from the jump. It's what does it look like when these guys are off the ball? And in DeJounte's case, DeJounte is a really good cutter. Mm-hmm. He is someone that has developed a mid-range jumper. But in today's NBA, like as a floor spacer, you're only as good as your distance. Yeah, you're only as yeah. good as if you can shoot the three. And there are things that DeJounte can do to mitigate that, where defenders have to at least like be ready to close out on him on some level because he's so good at attacking the rim. Right. Like he is so quick at making those decisions. He's a quick twitch athlete, he gets to the basket. He can finish. He's big. He's long. He's athletic. Um, I get it. The, the thing is though, that you're never going to take the ball to Trey Young's hands, like yeah. taking the ball out of Trey Young's hands to put it into DeJounte Murray's hands more often does not seem like a great idea to me for as good as DeJounte Murray is. And he's great. He averaged like what, 22 points and eight Mm -hmm. rebounds and nine assists. Like DeJounte Murray is a legit, like borderline all-star player in the end. Oh yeah. Yeah. He literally made the all-star team this year. Uh, He's just not as good as Trey. So you're going to get some diminishing returns there. The other part of it is, and maybe this is, maybe this is the impetus where we see this start to happen more. Maybe this is, where Trey starts to move off the ball more often because the key difference, everyone loves to compare Trey young to Steph Curry, right? The key difference with Trey and Steph is that Steph flies off the ball. He sets hard screens. Like he is trying to get open every single time that the ball leaves his hands. Trey is good for the first action off the ball, Mm -hmm. but then like the second action, like he's not, he's not like, trying to flare off of a screen. He's not trying to like, you know, make a second read off of it to try and get open. A lot of times he does kind of stand around and you just rarely see Stephen Curry, you know, standing around and taking breaks. Yeah. Trey young has it in him to do this. Like he no can doubt. be a great off ball point guard. He's an incredible shooter. Mm-hmm. He has distance out to 35 feet. It's just that he needs to now actualize that in a real way. If they're going to get the most possible value out of mm-hmm. DeJounte Murray, I'm fascinated to see it. I, I think it has a real shot of working. Uh, I also love the idea of him with Kevin Herter. I think both these yeah. guys with Herter is a really great fit. I think that, yeah. um, you know, it seems like they're committed to keeping DeAndre Hunter at this point. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, as long as he stays healthy, is a really good fit for this group. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't team. know what they're going to do with John Collins. I like a lot I, of their talent. I, wish I don't understand why they're trying to move. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would move Clint Capella and try to get another center that can shoot as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to move John Collins. But it seems like that's going a different way based off of all of the reporting at the very least. Yeah. I, I don't get it. John Collins is good at basketball. Like that. that's, I think that people don't recognize that he's gotten way better defensively to where he's not a liability anymore. He actually can hold up. Mm-hmm. We watched him in a playoff like run. He's tough. He's happy to play the role that you need him to play. Mm-hmm. Like 
he can he's shoot from distance now. He's one of the best yeah. rim runners in the league. Like yeah. the thing that he doesn't do well is pass. And that's going to come like guys figure out how to short roll pass, right? Mm-hmm. They figure out how to make plays as they gain more experience. The guy, the guy keeps getting better and better. I don't know why they're trying to move him, but uh, it just seems like that's a thing that's happening still. Especially too with Capella. Uh, I mean, you just forget killing Capella's in the league. If you're living on the West coast and you just never hear about him really. Um, the, you know, he's not a highlight player anymore. I mean, we know what Clint Capella is. It's a very solid player who deserves you know, a good defender, a good, yeah. good defender, you know, but it, it's just, he's, he's stuck in the middle. He's just, he's, he's not an elite player at center. And I think that some people, especially during his time in Houston could have extrapolated to that point. I think it would have been foolhardy as evidenced, but um, I just don't, I just don't see much more upside in a guy like Nick Capella. And there's certainly value to be well, had well, on the trade market. He, yeah. He's an average center that yeah. is getting paid $20 million a year. And it's, and like an average starting center, like that's right. valuable. It's valuable to be able to eat up minutes as a starting mm-hmm. center. Like at his peak, he was a borderline all defense center, mm-hmm. um, which is again, really valuable. He got I paid for it. would like to see what he looks like another year off of his injury coming into last season. True. True. Maybe he regains some of the explosiveness, but yeah, yeah I mean, it, Collins is the keeper there. You, you figure out how to find a center who can shoot around John Collins. I think, I, I don't yeah. think you try to, you know, make it work with Clint, unfortunately as good as like valuable as it is to have a league average starting center. No doubt. Going back to the, the Murray young dichotomy and how interesting that's going to be. I mean, yeah. it should be noted that it depends on where you want to lie the blame, but, but Trey was not good in the postseason. And that could be either a byproduct of him having such a high usage rate throughout the regular season and just in general not being a, a, a big dude. I mean, Luca can do that because Luca is going to knock people further than they're going to knock him. In what postseason? Trey was this, a killer in the postseason, wasn't he? Like, I'm, Didn't he shoot like nuts? 30%? No, 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 no. I mean, maybe in one series, but like he, he killed my, against he killed my, the against, and like Against my – no, I'm not talking about that season. I'm oh, talking you're about talking about this one. year. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking about when they played yeah. Miami yeah. and Trey just got beat the fuck up for four, you know, what was it, four or five games? I mean, it was just, it was a bloodbath. And yeah. it's it's not to take anything away from his potential. He's still a young player who is <laughs> scratching the surface, in my opinion, especially when he gets stronger. But Miami yeah. just showed the limitations of having one dude who's that size, who has to do everything for yeah. that offense to even function. Yeah. And um, so you mentioned the off ball stuff with trades, probably a necessary thing to happen. And it's maybe one of those take one step back and, and you get to take two steps forward thing. And obviously having Murray there, you yeah. already have some shooting there um, can open some stuff up for him. Now that it's incumbent upon Trey to take his game to that level to, to enjoy that challenge because it is going to be different. Uh, and Murray has to, you know, up his game too. He's a young player still uh, who, who can do that, even though he's been traded. Like people usually see someone get traded and say, well, not a young player anymore. This is his ceiling. Yeah. I don't think that's the case at all. This could really, really work. Like, I, I, I want to be clear about that. I think it will be clunky yeah. for a while. Um, I question if the coaching staff is the best <laughs> to put this all together, but <laughs> Uh, if it works, <laughs> it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really fun. And that, 
that excites me because a team with Trey Young should be really fun to watch. And I did not get those vibes watching Atlanta late in the season and especially when they played Miami in the postseason. Though Miami does that to pretty much everybody. They like to suck the fun out of things. Yeah. The point about the McMillan coaching staff is real. <laughs> yeah. Some concerns <laughs> that was, that was a nice way of putting it on my end. Enough to make this work. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the best thing that ever I, happened I to Nate McMillan was getting a point guard who would just say, I will run, pick and roll every single play. He's like, huh, my game yeah. planning is done. Yeah. Nate's a really good defensive coach and he really imbued them with the defensive mindset they needed in 2021. Last yeah. year was not his best year. When they finished 28th in they total maybe have defense. A short... Yeah, I, I would hope that they maybe have a shorter leash this year uh, yeah. with some of that stuff, but we'll, we'll see. see. Uh, look, I they still have enough assets to where this doesn't have to be their last move, right. right? I think it's a good swing for Atlanta. I think that it makes sense based off of where they are. I think it makes sense to force some development in Trey as well as give him a guy next to him that can actualize his skill. Uh, we'll see where it goes. I, 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 I like this deal for both. I just have like a couple of questions and yeah. let's talk about San Antonio real quick yeah. because I still think they should chase DeAndre Ayton. That's really interesting. That's where I'm at. It just I doesn't think they feel like it lines up timeline-wise. I know he's young. I know he's still super young. I he's mean, only like 23. 23. Yeah. I mean, what's Murray? 25, 26? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> he's young too. But here's the thing. So if I if I would tell you, so you're going to – they're probably I would imagine they're going to cut Danilo Gallinari. That doesn't come from inside sources. That's just – No, no, no. That's just logic. Guessing. Yeah. Right, yeah. based off of the direction of where the team is going. I have to start yeah. saying that now, otherwise I risk getting aggregated. <laughs> um, so if I would have told you that they could have traded DeJounte Murray for three first-round picks and DeAndre Ayton, because mm. this clears the space for them to give DeAndre Ayton a max cap offer, yeah, that's probably a win for them, right? Like, that's, that's a no better question. position than they were in previously. They have, mm. like, like, I don't know. I kind of dig it. You make, you can make the argument that getting three first-round picks for Murray today is a win for them. doesn't mean it's not a win for Atlanta yeah. as well. But I think that most people are of the mindset that this was a necessary move for San Antonio and that they were smart to get after it a little bit early. Because if they were to have yep. maxed out DeJounte Murray, then his trade value drops precipitously. Let someone else have to yeah. deal with that because, again, fringe all-star, right? Not like a bona fide every year all-star. He's a guy who, yes, the numbers are awesome on a mediocre to even bad team. This is not a, a guaranteed hit if you're paying him as much as you possibly can. Let Atlanta figure that out. Let whomever they traded to figure him out. Uh, and by trading him early, they, I think, maximize the value for him. So I, it's a good trade yeah. for San Antonio if they knew that he wasn't going to be their, their guy long term, if he wasn't their franchise player. And I think that's a very valid argument to make that he's not, that he's a great number two, yeah. perhaps in Atlanta. Um, obviously, adding DeAndre Ayton to the mix, that would, that would make it a win because I think you could probably do an Ayton for Murray trade straight up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that those two are relatively close in value. And now you They're have somewhere these three in first round yeah. pick assets to be able to 
continue to build their depth. I mean, this is a team that's had success developing guys. It's a team that's had success drafting recently Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. going back many, many years. I dig it. I I get it for San Antonio. I get it for Atlanta. It's a deal that isn't without risk for both sides, but it's a deal that makes sense for both sides, I think. And one last thing on this, Uh, because I I got to throw this in there, because we're always doing the Luca Trey Young comparison. Not we, as in you and I, but it is still a topic of conversation around the NBA. Note what is probably going to happen with the Dallas Mavericks, a team that has now been to the conference finals. They will probably lose, uh, arguably, the the number two for Luka Doncic this offseason. We'll talk about that next. Meanwhile, Atlanta, who has been to the conference finals as well during Trey Young's thing, is bringing in now a very clear number two for him. So something to add to the the gumbo, the cosmic gumbo that is that conversation. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, With Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Look at this. Look, look at how good you are at this. Unbelievable. We're transitioning to uh, Jalen Brunson, folks. 
The Knicks have moved heaven and earth, essentially, to acquire Jalen Brunson. Uh, yep. They have moved Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks and Kemba Walker in two separate deals to Detroit, essentially for like six second round picks and mm-hmm. um, like a first round pick that allowed them to acquire Jalen uh, Jalen Duran. But the Knicks, I think, didn't actually give up that first round pick. It's just that they were a mechanism through which Detroit was able to acquire the first um, or the lottery pick that got them Jalen Duran. Right. This is so I, I, I the jury is out for me in terms of a take on Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. It seems like it's going to happen. Tim Cato's reporting Dallas is expecting it. Mark Stein has reported that they're expecting it. Mm-hmm. Reports are that this is going to happen, right? Um, that totally. lines up with what I'd kind of been told throughout the year that the family aspect of getting back to the Northeast was something that really appealed to Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, whether or not he would go there or not, you know, the Knicks would certainly have a very strong pitch is what I was told. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think of moving this much in order to sign Jalen Brunson to a $27 million per year deal? Let's, let's call it 27. Like I think that they're going to probably try and get creative on the structure would be my guess, but um, the Knicks have always done that under Leon Rose. Like they've gotten very creative, the team options on all of the deals last year. Mm -hmm. Um, They, Things tend to come out way after the fact with Knicks deals where it's like, oh, yeah, this isn't nearly as much of an overpay as what we thought it was. So let's keep that in mind with the Knicks. What do you yeah. think of this idea of Jalen Brunson going to the Knicks, though, in general, and this being a big move for New York? I just want to make sure I have this part right as a uh, someone who has followed Tibbs very closely, lifelong Chicago Bulls fan, and then, of course, because I'm a lifelong Chicago Bulls fan. Tibbs is constantly in my thoughts. Uh, Taj Gibson is going nowhere, right? <laughs> they didn't get rid That's of the funniest Gibson. thing in the world to me. They probably could have made this work math-wise so without moving New Orleans Noel. Like, yeah. just by not doing Taj's team option. Yep. <laughs> and instead... Tom Thibodeau would move, never, like... never, he would never do it. Not a chance. You can't make him do it. He would have quit on the spot. And the irony For, of it is... In, yeah, yeah. For, for what it's worth, th- there is now a mechanism for which they can make all of this like a crazy three team sign and trade where they will still have access to their full mid-level. They mm-hmm. will still have full access to uh, one of their other exceptions. I think it might be the I can't remember. If it's the room. It's not going to be the room if they're using their full mid-level, but it'll no. be like uh, one of the other exceptions, maybe the biannual exception. Yeah. Um, and then re-sign Mitchell Robinson on top of that. Like th- mm-hmm. there are a number of things that they can do here now yeah. because they move Nerlens in this deal as opposed to um, just releasing Taj. So yeah. let's be clear about that. Also, it's just the fucking funniest thing in the world. <laughs> just, that Taj Gibson's on this roster. <laughs> here's, the e- here's the easy way of doing it. And then here's the Tom Thibodeau way of doing it, which is so constant. Here's the Taj yeah, way. Yeah. And uh, the, the thing is like, I really like, the concept of Jalen Brunson as a Tom Thibodeau point guard. Like, I really think that that will work and that it will be very fruitful to the New York Knicks and Jalen Brunson. Like I do like this marriage. It cannot stand alone though. Like this cannot be the Knicks only move because as you said, they moved heaven and earth. And if this was any other market in America, maybe this wouldn't be as big of a deal. 
but the Knicks are making big moves for like the 10th to 15th best point guard in the NBA. I mean, and that's saying something, Um, you know, this is a guy who kind of got it out of the mud in a little bit, you know, not expected much when he came into the league. He's a really good player and he's going to be, I think really good for the Knicks. But if the Knicks want to get themselves into any level of contention or just back to a baseline level of competency where you can expect them to be in the real playoffs year in and year out, it might be a struggle, but they'll get in year in and year out. I I don't think Jalen Brunson and a couple of hopes and prayers about, you know, Emmanuel quickly or or, some of the young players on this team is going to get them there. Um, They still need to, they still need to do, something else. And I think that that goes beyond just sort of, you know, biannual exception or or mid-level because Jalen Brunson's not going, in my opinion, at least I hope I'm wrong about this because I really do like watching him play. Like he's not going to get you to that next level. He's not going to get to that next level. Like he was a high floor, fairly low ceiling player who's already busted through that ceiling. And I think some people can make the argument of, oh, he'll just keep going. He's going to have a good year. It's going to look like good money, in my opinion. Again, all that does is give the Knicks a competent point guard. They need way more than that to really compete in the Eastern Conference. And I appreciate that, you know, they're bold about it, that they had their guy. I do think that there's some value to the notion of it's a very familial thing with, you know, the Rose family and everything going on with Jalen. Like, he's truly wants to be there. But, like, again, we're talking about Jalen Brunson, man. Yeah, to follow to follow on that. So Leon Rose, his first client was Rick Brunson, who is right. Jalen's father. Yeah. Yeah. Um very long term connection there in terms of like the families. They've known Leon each other Rose for a long held, time. Held Jalen within like five days of him being born. Like that's like they're extremely yeah. close. I, I believe like, Yeah, like I believe that Leon's son is on Jalen Rose's paper or, or Jalen Brunson, I'm sorry, not Jalen Rose. Jalen yeah. Brunson's. Uh, you understand, Jalen? We got Jalen. We, we got Leon Rose. We ne- we don't have. <laughs> at some point, Jalen Rose is going to talk about this. Like, yes. yeah, we've we got too much going on. But like, um, I think his name is actually Sam uh, Rose. Is on Jalen Brunson's paperwork in terms right. of agency representation. Right. Um. Yeah. It's so a little incestual, which allow this to happen. I mean, legitimately, I mean, it, it makes the tampering real. Yeah. I like the idea of getting Jalen Brunson to New York. I think Jalen Brunson's a great player. Uh, I, I think that like we often as a basketball community underrate these guys who are fucking basketball geniuses and Jalen Brunson yeah. is a basketball genius. Like there's not yeah. another, the, the way an that he thinks the game is on another level. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that there probably has to be another move there. There probably has yeah. to be another move here is my thing. Like be well, it moving well, Julius like, Randall. Like here's, here's the weird thing about this too. Like all of, all of Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, Julius Randall, like everyone's like, Oh cool. Like the three lefty lineup. The thing about that is though, that all three of these guys are very left-hand dominant and yeah. need the ball typically on the right side of the court to get downhill on the move going to the left. And I wonder if there's like a bit of an overlap there 
uh, in terms of just the way that they're able to operate in the same spaces and like the they're way all going to be running into each in other spaces. Yeah, it could it could be that. Yeah, like that, that actually worries me a little bit with this trio. Um, I really like RJ Barrett. Like, I think RJ is going to be a top three guy on a really really good team. Like, I yeah. think RJ is going to be a borderline all star. I think that Jalen will help to actualize RJ on the offensive end for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually in on the idea of that, despite the like left-hand dominance idea. If it's just those two. The one that doesn't, yeah, the one that doesn't fit to me is Julius Randle. And no. I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Um, that That's what I, I'd be probably looking to move Julius Randle. If I was them, maybe that's their other shoe is that Where they're going to try go? and move Julius here. Who's interested in Julius Randle yeah. with the money he's at? I don't really have an answer to that. It's kind of what I'm struggling with. So yeah. uh, I, I, I look, and on some level, I think if you're the Knicks, you probably do just sign Jalen Brunson. You extend RJ Barrett and you then, you know, continue down this road of trying to get a star, right? Like you have all these extra assets you traded, you know, the 11th overall pick for three first round picks from mm-hmm. the Oklahoma city thunder. You have this extra Dallas pick still. You have your picks. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there are a lot of avenues that could open up down the road, even if there isn't a star available right now. There are avenues that could open up down the road that could make this look different in hindsight. I don't even want to say it looks bad because I don't know that it doesn't look. Bad. I don't think I'm quite as low on this as everyone else seems to be. I don't know that I love just it. Not, it's just not sexy. There's nothing sexy about bringing in Jalen <laughs> yeah. Brunson. He doesn't sell jerseys, man. It's not It's not anything like what the Nets did. But that might be a benefit. That might be more of a feature than a bug. Like, what the Nets are doing yeah, really hasn't be. worked yet. So, you have Tom Thibodeau as your head coach. You're going to be winning on effort and grit and probably burning dudes out. There's only so many point guards that can actually do that what Tom Thibodeau wants them to do in the league. Jalen Brunson is unquestionably one of them. So it's a great move for the Knicks in that regard. It just doesn't win the PR game. And it's not ultimately what needs to be done. It can't be it for them. And I'm really glad that you brought up the three lefties thing, because again, I have no idea what you do with Julius Randle. And I think that there's a lot of that Julius Randle aftermath that's sort of seeping into this where, okay, now the Knicks are all in on Jalen Brunson, like this again, moving heaven and earth to, to get him. Well, they gave all the money to Julius Randall after one year, Jalen Brunson's breakout year was been one year, really. I know it's been developing here for a minute, but like yeah. he really came through one year. There's not a lot of faith in yeah. the Rose like, administration. Where he's a, yeah. 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 Where he's a $27 million player. It's been one year. For sure. Totally. So I, I, I understand so, Knicks fans who are starving for a true superstar. One, they're not getting it, even though he's going to be a damn good player for them. And two, there's not a lot of faith in you know the fact that you know, the way that the Knicks have done business up until this point, where they've overpaid overachievers. And you can look at Jalen Brunson, and I don't think this is correct, but you can look at Jalen Brunson and say, here we go again. So they need to do something else. Yeah. And then the issue is it, it's still the Knicks. It's still, you know, the White Plains Knicks. And I, I don't know who's deeply interested outside of Donovan Mitchell of going in. And I don't know if Donovan Mitchell changes everything for them either. Yeah, like, and it seems like Donovan isn't available 
uh, first and foremost as well. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. He also is under contract yeah, by the Utah Jazz. Um, yeah, so like I, I think that'd be cool. Like, go get Donovan Mitchell. That'd be great. Yeah. But like, I, I, on some level, shouldn't we just be like? we've been talking about the Knicks as a free agency destination that people don't want to go to for years. Yeah. They just got like, look, say whatever you want to say about Jalen Brunson. <laughs> they just got the guy that like everyone wanted to get. <laughs> I mean, it, well, you know, college, ba- like, you know, it, college basketball recruiting, they had to do the, put the dad on staff, put the cousin in the uh, administration <laughs> office. I mean, they had to, they had to go full court press, you know, on top of the duffel bag in in the embassy suites. Like it's, Again, for Jalen Brunson, they're not even getting a true five-star. Uh, and, and again, I think it's yeah. going to work because of the head coach. But, like, is Jalen Brunson going to save Tom Thibodeau's job in 18 months? I don't know. Like, it, it just feels like yeah. – It just feels like if this is as high as it gets, cool, you're the sixth seed. That's I just – yeah, I, I think that I'm just like – I don't think that this is their last move. Like, I think that they're gearing up for something else. I think that they see Jalen as, like, the perfect number two, basically, and they have the opportunity to sign the number two. So why not take that now? And we have all these assets. You know, we're going to sign Mitchell Robinson again as a contract that we can move in a deal. We're going to sign X, Y, and Z, right? Let's get the number two while we can get the number two, and then we'll figure out the number one later, right? And yeah. I don't hate it. Like, no, I'm, it's, it's, I'm no, sorry. It's, I, I, if this was any team yeah, other than the Knicks, like, it would be a much like, more sane play. It would just feel better. I love, like, I love, like, everyone who's, like, shitting on this deal. Like, Seth Partnow is like, wait, how did Jalen Brunson get this much money? And I love Seth. And I don't even think he's, like, wrong necessarily. No, he's not wrong. I just also kind of want to go, you know what? Like, this is the Knicks. Jalen Bronson is a good like second or third option on a like playoff team. We literally yeah. just saw it. And no, while yeah. we saw it with, you know, maybe the, one of the three best players in the league, uh, yeah. maybe you can slide him back into being number three option. RJ can slide up to, into being a number two at some point, which I think is what their hope is. Yeah. And I, think I don't cool. know. I'm, I'm fine with this. For it Dallas, feels, it feels very just... Charlotte. It feels very Charlotte Hornets. Like that's the problem. Like, this is just oh, what, like, yeah. the Charlotte Hornets do. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that because the Charlotte Hornets aren't a perennial, you know, contender. They're not playing at Madison Square Garden. And it's just, you have to you have to match your market. And the Knicks are just, they just don't match the market. And um, until they do, it's going to be held against them, even when they make a good deal like this one. Were you going to ask about the Mavericks? Yeah. Because I don't know what the hell they do. I don't know what the hell the Mavericks do. So- is a problem. So like the, there's been a couple of reports that like Nico Harrison has seen this coming for a little while. Right. Like I yeah. think that I think Tim Cato said that like, it's been the expectation for a while. I would it expect is... that it's been the expectation since the trade deadline when they mm-hmm. purposely acquired Spencer Dinwiddie yeah. uh, as potential insurance for this. Right. I mean, like that, Western that's Conference like, I think they wanted to like, it was done. Like it wasn't even a conversation yeah. about maybe they keep them. They're like, they're going to offer them the bag. And the Knicks are going to offer him the bag, and he's going to go to New York. That Done. look, look, I, I, I'd kind of been told that it was unlike. Look, here's the thing. So on the show I did with Danny Larue, mm-hmm. I mentioned that, like, look, I, I, I didn't think that Jalen Brunson was staying. 
Um, yeah. I know that it was right after the playoffs and I know that it was right after everyone had kind of said that, but like, I kind of even the way that I phrased things there kind of tried to make it. So Mavs fans were prepped for him leaving. Um, <laughs> you buttered the pan. I, yeah. Like, but I wasn't sure. Cause I'd kind of also mm-hmm. been told that the playoffs like really made like real, a real chance at reconsideration. Right. Like, Fair Hey, enough. we have this great thing going. We just made the conference finals. Like maybe I, I don't think it was a surefire done deal thing that he was leaving, you know, after the playoffs, I thought he okay. was leaving before that, but I also yeah. think that the playoffs might've changed some things. It has nothing to do with tampering. It has nothing to do with like anything like that. Yeah. It's just, you know, family is good. Like family's important, you know, like people yeah. want to be back like around the areas that they're from. And it's cool. Some guys, like, are, I'm not, some guys want to get as yeah. far away from it as possible. It, obviously, it's a good situation with the Knicks when you think about all the connections. And it, right, it, if nothing else, Jalen Brunson knows the New York Knicks are going to take care of him and his family. That's a big deal, right? Well, and and I remember saying this on the show right after it happened. But like, do you remember those headlines when? the you know World Wide West and Leon Rose mm-hmm. and Julius Randall all showed up courtside for the Jazz Mavs series. Yeah. I, I kind of made the point that I don't think that was for Donovan Mitchell. Like I, I think that Donovan was it was good to be there for Donovan. Right. I think it was more for Julius or for Jalen Brunson uh in yeah. terms of why they were there. And I've said that before on the show. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, they got him now. But Regardless, I think that Dallas kind of prepped for this eventuality by acquiring Spencer Dinwiddie at the offseason. I think that deal was more mm-hmm. about ending the Kristaps era, but I also think that yeah. they wanted some insurance in case this was going to happen. Um, I don't know what they do from here. It's like, I, I think that they just kind of have to rock with what they got right now and then kind of let this play out over the next couple of years whenever they can clear uh some flexibility again yeah i mean they're going to be asking so much more out of luca and i know he's got it in him but man, yeah. it's just it's a lot to ask and uh he got him through two rounds of the playoffs but man brunson brunson was so good in the playoffs he was so good and as much as dinwiddie had his moments there was a clear hierarchy there it was a one, two, and a three. And Spencer Dinwiddie was a hell of a three. Um, all of them playing the yeah. same position, of course, because, you know, why the hell would you diversify? Um, but it's like... Well, and because Tim Hardaway was out is, is important to true. note as well. True. Like very true. You know, they, they paid Tim Hardaway a lot of money and he was not there. And you can see a world where a Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway backcourt functions well. Functions, yeah. it, it's losing J- Jalen Brunson. That's terrible. And Jalen's mm-hmm. really good. But you can see a world where this functions well, and I think it's important to note Tim Hardaway Jr. will be back next year. They're still going to be a playoff team. Luka is still going to be an MVP contender of the highest caliber. They're just not a team that's going to have anyone say that they're going to be playing for a championship at any point during the month of May. There will be in the tournament. They might even win a round. But no one is going to be as they were and with plenty of justification at the moment before the Western conference finals, say in Mavs and six, no one's going to be predicting in any way, shape yeah. or form that the Dallas Mavericks are going to be playing hey. against an Eastern conference champion. 
And I was real dumb. I said Mavs in six. I, I thought the Mavs were going to win that series. I'm a fucking moron. But like, <laughs> I'm excited. Like, it, it's, I was not, excited. it's not even like, a knock on the predictions. It's just they were they had made so many threes and the wings had looked so good. Yeah. But the matchups were perfect for them in the first two rounds. And the second Andrew Wiggins decided like, oh, shit, I'm better than these dudes. It was over. It was it was kaput. And then, of course, yeah. no step but that, that that's yeah. relitigating the past it's just a shame i mean it, it's almost again as, as i mentioned earlier like the hawks took that step back this past year after going to the conference finals like dallas i think is inevitably going to take that step back just because they won't have yeah. their clear number two and tim hardway jr great and it's a little bit more diversification great point by you but like come on now you you're running a five out system it's going to win you some games. They're going to lose some games off of it. They're going to get like between 47 and yeah, probably about 47 wins. They'll be fine, but they're not, they're not getting over any hump for a minute or two. And with the beating Luke is going to take, we're going to be having an interesting conversation about them this time next year. I imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be a lot more on ball. Like they're going to need a lot yeah. from Spencer Dinwiddie uh, to be able to carry some of the load for Luca. Yeah. Maybe Spencer, can bring it back a little bit. I hope he can because watching Spencer, Spencer with He's Brooklyn was really fun. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, but you, you're, but you're also you're also betting on Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie's legs. That's a big bet. Yeah, it is. It's tough. Okay, let's go to uh, let's go to Kyrie. So, full disclosure, I did not through I did not live through the media cycle with Kyrie that occurred on Monday. Apparently, uh, beautiful. I went to bed. Yep. I woke up. Kyrie had opted in. I was like, yep. okay, cool. And then I find out like, you know, 10 minutes later that it had been a thing throughout the day oh, where Kyrie had thing. been uh, floating. There'd been things floated and there'd been reports, you know, sources, yeah. craziness. He's taking the non, he's taking the taxpayer mid-level for the Lakers. He's, oh, uh, he's going to try stuff. and orchestrate a trade. Like, he was definitely trying to orchestrate um, a trade. No one wanted him. No one wanted him, Sam. That's rough. So here's the, here's the thing with Kyrie. Kyrie's really fucking good. <laughs> like, yes, he is. Kyrie, yes, he is. Kyrie, say whatever you want about... One of the true great players his... in this league. Yeah. Like, he is like a Hall of Famer. Yep. And he's been incredible since he's been in Brooklyn when he's been on the court. And that's the I, big point there. I don't know. I, like, this is the whole situation is dumbfounding to me. Um, I don't know what to make of any of it. I don't know how to handle it. Uh, I'm excited for this Brooklyn team, like, assuming it stays together. I also yeah. understand if I was another organization, given all of the craziness, like, you know, when he tweeted like the thing about, you know, like having to change, like to be brave or whatever. The only thing I could think of was the Eric Andre GIF where, yeah, yeah. but like the (laughs) Eric Andre GIF where he's like, how could you say something so controversial yet? So brave. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, like the self-awareness is not there. I actually think that Kyrie's like heart is in the right place. Weirdly. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I really do. I just, yeah. no, I just think that 
it manifests itself in complicated ways. No, he's um, just a weird cat, man. We can just say he's a different cat and that we don't understand yeah. it. And he likes that. Yeah, like I think he likes that we don't understand him, and I respect that on some level. Like he wants he wants to live his life as well. Like I think that he is not a fan of like the intrusiveness of media and I respect that too. Like totally get that. totally yeah. get it. Um everyone maybe don't like, maybe don't leak like, all your shit to Shams, but you know as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a little bit weird. But like like please like go get vaccinated. Like I disagree with Kyrie on that point very strongly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the city of New York very clearly disagreed with Kyrie strongly on that point. Um, Brooklyn Nets did until they didn't. But it's, it's, yeah, it's theoretically not an issue this year. Like he's going to be available no. to play. New York yeah. has changed its guidelines. So yeah, he's going to play and he's going to be really fucking good. Like he's well, going to be really good this year again. And we're going to get to see him play with KD, which is yeah. really fun. And mm-hmm. like we'll talk about the rest of the roster in a second, but like him and Kevin Durant, your best friend, like these, this combo is amazing, and I I couldn't be more excited to see them play together, like on a longer term basis. Finally, well, longer term is anything more than what's already existed, but let's not like pretend as if this is going to just go to a whole new level of like seventy five games a year. Kevin Durant is going into what 16th season in the NBA and is a man who had an Achilles injury. Doesn't mean he's not a brilliant basketball player, arguably the greatest scorer we've ever seen in the league and that he still doesn't have buckets for days. But when we were, you know, extrapolating on extrapolating on extrapolating about what happens if they break up the nets, there were some serious hypotheticals that had to be asked about Kevin Durant and his ability to sort of, you know, get through the end of the condor. Like what kind of value is there for a player at that juncture, even though he is clearly one of the best bucket getters still in the league. And again, of all time, we're saying, Oh, Kyrie Irving is you know going to be available this year because of, you know, the vaccine stuff isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he hasn't been an injury prone player as well throughout his career. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't play a style of basketball yeah. that has, I think, you know, accentuated, that injury point maybe it's a chicken and an egg situation there but like the dude is still required to be at his highest level someone who is smaller than everybody else and going into the lane and doing the crazy shit that he can do that no one else i think can do but you got to be pretty close to the hoop to do it and you're bouncing off the seven footers you're bouncing off of you know dudes with big shoulders who are looking to inflict a little bit of pain uh and he's been in the league for a long time because even though he's a young guy by standards, I mean, you're seeing the gray showing up in the beard and in the afro. He's been in the NBA since he was 19 years old. He's had a lot of minutes because he's played a lot of playoff yeah. minutes. Same with Kevin Durant. So um, I hope that it works out because aesthetically speaking, those two offensively, I don't know if there's outside of maybe Curry. I don't know if there's anybody better than those two, not even collectively. Those two are the most fun offensive players in the league to watch, at least for, for me. Yeah. I mean, when Kyrie is cooking, I love. Them. I, I is, honestly love special. watching them. Yeah, it is special. And Kevin yeah. Durant is just—he's—he makes the inevitable seem so cool. Like, and there's a there's a real cool. As unchill as he is online, he is that chill on the basketball court, and it is—it's special to watch both of those guys. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's just now going to magically work out because they were on the court in the playoffs and they still got smoked by the Celtics. 
like smoked and Kevin Durant looked mortal. I see like I'm just even someone like I, I don't care about Kevin's like make fun of people. I don't care. Like oh no, he's, he's go, no, he's very good thing. at it. He's very good. I've told I've told him like, this a million times. Please. He is much better at the internet than I will ever be. He is at most yeah, he's great at all it. things. He's great at it. I'm just saying yeah, he's he is a smooth operator when he is on the court, man. Nobody nobody Unbelievable. gets him out of it. And it's like I hope I hope it works because it would be even though it's it's been really fun for the jokes, let's be real. It would be kind of tragic in a in a maybe you get a sick pleasure out of this one. I think most people would, but like there is some tragedy to two players of this caliber, health three when you include James Harden, three players of the highest three. possible yeah. caliber in the league getting together and for that they have one series win in three years. I understand that the cir- it's circumstances, a shame. circumstances, circumstances, but like you had three of the 10 best players in the NBA without question, not, e- not even having to, to you know fudge the numbers, and you've won one playoff series. With all the money in the world, yeah. that's, that's – I hope that changes just for the sake of this experiment. No, I, I agree. I, I really want them to have success. And the other part of this is Ben Simmons. And Oh, shit, I forgot about him. I don't know what to expect out of Ben. Wouldn't it be yeah, great if Ben Simmons was team. just like um, bitching? Like if he just came out and was just like – Oh, it'd be great. Just because he can fulfill well, so much of what they need. The yeah. Like if this works, it's going to work incredibly well. Like they have Joe Harris, who's going to space the floor for all these guys. Yep. They have Seth Curry, who's going to space the floor for mm-hmm. all these guys. Mm-hmm. I think they need to go out and get another defender, but they're probably going to assign Nick Claxton. It seems like, I think I saw a okay. report like that earlier today. Like, they have a lot of really interesting pieces. I would love to see them, you know, try and go out and take some flyers on three and D guys. Like I think yes. that could be fun for them. Um, it's not a flyer. But when ben Simmons is the one. Needed. <laughs> but like Ben Simmons is the one like that really like his ability, if he's willing to play as a big, mm-hmm. as opposed to a point guard, which I dunk, would hope that he spot is. Four. Yeah. Like not even run him in ball screens. And have him be the short roll safety valve for when guys try to put two on the ball with Kyrie. You're going to mm-hmm. create a ton of mismatch advantage situations on the other side for KD and Kyrie. Like there's a lot that can really work there. Both of KD yeah. and Kyrie can really shoot. They're going to open the floor for Ben, especially mm-hmm. in lineups when Joe Harris and Seth Curry are out there and you have mm-hmm. to stay attached to their hip because they're mm-hmm. unbelievable shooters. If this works, it's going to work, not just like, good it's going to work exceptionally well it's just Uh, that all three of these guys are wild cards in one way or another Kyrie for a number of reasons Kevin Durant has been hurt the last couple of years even beyond the Achilles injury um Benson's is hasn't played basketball in a year like if it works it's going to be incredibly fun and I really want to see it I have no idea if it's going to work um Maybe uh, now yeah, with probably, expectations well, having can, sort of catered down, maybe that opens up everything just in like a weird karmic way. It should also be noted that like the depth on this team is rough. It is. Wasn't very good last year. Yeah. Patty Mills just and, opted out. Yeah, yeah. They better get him back. <laughs> I mean, uh, they, they got the money uh, because the second unit 
yes, you'll have Simmons running it or Kyrie running it. You'll, ha- you'll always have a great player on the floor. Yeah. There's no question about that. But, boy, one great player can only take you so far in this league if you got a bunch of dudes on the minimum and half of them aren't living up to that standard. Well, and I think they're hoping that Cam Thomas takes a step. I think they're hoping Kessler Edwards takes a step. I think they're hoping yep. for some of their young guys. Plus, they're hoping that Joe Harris will be healthy, Seth Curry mm-hmm. will be healthy, healthy, bring back Nick Claxton. I don't know what they're going to do with Bruce Brown necessarily. I, I would try to resign him, but I don't know I would if they're try going to, to or not. Too. Yeah, That's a, he's a good player. It's a big tax bill. I mean, at the end of the day, like pay the tax. Um, but yeah. I understand that their their tax level is now prohibitive, obviously. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. It, it's yes, a weird you've deal. Made it this far. A tough you've spot. made it this far. Uh, you know, pay the pay the money because listen, if it doesn't work this upcoming season, now we're ha- Kyrie's a unrestricted free agent. Kevin is in you know the final two years of his deal. I don't even know if Ben Simmons' yep. contract will even, you know, they might force majeure it at some point. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. They're not force majeuring his contract. Just, you know what I'm, Do you not know aggregate saying, that. Though. That's not a serious point. <laughs> I, I'm just um, saying I still have to get next jokes in here somehow after we've been praising them. And uh, it, it's just to say that this, it's all in. It's got to be all in this year. Yeah, and yeah. yes, the tax is prohibitive. And yes, they haven't won diddly squat. And it's, you know, yes, the you know Jalen Brunson's going to be filling up the garden every night and uh, taking even more of a market share for the New York Knicks because, you know, Tibbs ball is back. But like, yep. Dan, if you're, if you're going to do it, do it right, Josiah. Like, just do it and, you know, pay for good players who can make your yeah. team go one through nine, one through 10, because you're going to need that depth in the regular season. And you're sure as hell going to need it in the postseason just because every minute is so vital. Make sure you have a deep enough team and, you know, don't, I, I do appreciate that the Nets can develop players. I do appreciate that the Nets have a good eye for talent, I think in the front office, but like less Blake Griffin, more Bruce Brown. And if that's going to cost you a little bit more, it costs you a little bit more. But again, as you, as you were noting, and I agree, they're close. I mean, a lot of shit's got to go right, but like it's, in no way out of the realm of possibility. This is still a team that has to be considered of the highest echelon in the league. And I don't even know if everything has they're to go right. They're closer than people case. think. I think, like, pe- I think people were so fast to the general people, consensus is. People were so fast. This is, I don't blame anybody for being part of it. This is just the natural arc of narrative. It was just going to be like, ah, shit, Nets ruined the league. It was going to work automatically, even with Kevin not there. And when it didn't, it had to reverse just as fast. And it's like that's never been the case, much like their jerseys, shade of gray. And, man, they are. Simmons is a better player for this team if actualized than James Harden would be, just because of what he can bring on the defensive side. Is it as fun? Probably not. But – there's not a redundancy there in any way, shape, or form because he is one of one. And they just yeah. Kevin Durant needs to get <laughs> needs to get Ben Simmons on a Zoom or in some house in LA, and instead of video games, they can just watch Draymond Green short roll clips all day, every day, and you turn Ben Simmons yep. into Draymond Green, fully actual, like beyond any realm of human possibility like the ultimate versatile five defense you know five defensive positions guy who is just a beast as you know noted in the pick and roll 
uh, even though he can't shoot a lick. Just that floater game, getting to the cup, great passer. He is a great passer uh, from all that point guard play. Like, oh, he could be really, really special on top of just clamping down four dudes at the same time. It'd be really fun. I, I really hope that we see that because, well, shit, I like good basketball, and they could play some of the best in the league easily if those three guys are clicking. Yeah, I agree. Let's go to the guy that the Nets traded for Ben Simmons, James Harden. Yeah. Now. James yeah. Harden is opting out of his $47 million a year. And it looks like he's going to take less from Philadelphia to help the team. They have some real financial flexibility that they can work. Mm-hmm. Um they can use their uh full taxpayer mid-level exception now that according to Keith Pompey with the Philly Inquirer, if I remember yeah. his paper correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith says that they're in the mix to sign PJ Tucker and that that's going to be the guy mm-hmm. they bring. Um, PJ Tucker is an old Daryl Morey favorite. I think he makes no some doubt. sense here. Um, you know, as a four man that can take on tough assignments in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Looks like they're considering moving Matisse Thibel. I agree with that, but I've always been really? kind of clear that I value Matisse a little bit less than others do. Okay. Um, as fun as he is, and as much as I appreciate his Australian uh, acceptance, as yeah. I do. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, you've got James Harden, you've got Joel Embiid, you've got Tyrese Maxey, you've got Tobias Harris, you're going to bring in P.J. Tucker. Um, got Melton. You've... You have DeAnthony Melton now, who's going to be a valuable bench player. You love DeAnthony Melton. That's I, this, this works for me. Like their their off season so yeah. far works for me. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I it's, mean, it's you, good. Uh, first, and like honestly, kudos to James Harden for taking less. Like this has always been, you know, he's always been the guy that you know gets all the shit for being selfish and all that stuff. Shout out James Harden for taking less. We'll see if it works, but he deserves credit for. Uh, being willing to do that. He's made $300 million or whatever, yeah. and he cares about winning. If yeah. you're, if you're going to say that you care about winning, Here this is go. how you do it. I mean, it's not a true, a fully altruistic act. Like I do believe it when it's like, Hey, it's about winning this and that, but the way that James Harden played down the stretch, he might also know that this is the last chance to lock in a long-term big time payday. And yeah, you have to Maybe. turn down forty-seven million, but like just like Russell Westbrook opting into his forty-seven million, like Russ knows there's no big contract coming down the pipeline. That's the last time forty-seven million and Russell Westbrook are, are going to be connected. Whereas with James Harden, he can still get very good money, like re- like not 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 the maximum maximum maximum, but right there, second tier from the Philadelphia 76ers, who I'm sure he holds. You know, we know his relationship with Daryl. We know how Daryl views him. Uh, this was always going to work out in Philadelphia, in my estimation. And also, Philadelphia went and got him. Philadelphia saved his ass from whatever was happening over there in Brooklyn in a situation that he didn't want to show up to anymore. Yeah. And Philadelphia made that easy for him. In, the Rockets thing dragged out. It was painful. It was awkward. It was sad. The Sixers yeah. did harden such a solid in their move uh, by tossing in a little bit more than probably they had to, had they really pressed the the nets. This is, this is they're even. And I think it works out for everybody. Good on James Harden. He's going to get, you know, another nice massive check. He gets the term, which I think is probably more important than, you know, the short, you know, the short term 
higher money. Um, the Sixers put themselves in a better position to win. They got a hell of an operation there uh, already in place. I think that they could augment because that's really all they need to do. Question is if James Harden, and I know that the reports are already now coming out, we'll, we'll see what actually happens by the time we get to September and October in training camp. But if James Harden wants to be fully committed to the operation, if James Harden wants to get back into, I'm going to go win MVP mode, James Harden, which he won't be doing in Philadelphia because the MVP is Joel Embiid on that team. But like that kind of shape, that kind of yeah. uh, callousness that he can build up for the regular season. Like if he's ready to go, if he's going to go full God mode, James Harden this season, which requires him to put in crazy work in the summer, prepare his body for 100 plus games throughout the regular season and postseason now the Sixers are in a different tier and uh, you know good on everybody yeah. it sounds like it sounds like a situation that let's not forget not that long ago was crazy toxic like Philly is a mess <laughs> shit I mean think about all the stuff that Joel Embiid has just said in the last year about his own teammates and press conferences now we love Joel because he tells the truth but like you know, stuff like, I don't think about that man, or we thought we were getting the Houston James Harden, like all that. There's always going to be even, you know, a little bit, yeah. you give an inch to the Philadelphia media, they're going to take a mile. This feels like everything is on really good footing. I think that the Sixers are going to be an improved yeah. team year over year in that Eastern conference. Let's boogie. Let's play. Let's see if Joel can stay healthy because if he does, they might be the team to beat. I'm 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 in. I, like I'd still take Milwaukee over them because I'm a big believer in Giannis and Chris and yeah. Drew and Chris was out, but Philly yeah. is up there. Like Philly is certainly within the top two or three, along with Miami and mm-hmm. you know whatever you think of Chicago moving forward. You know, Boston, of course. I, I don't know what we'll to do with them. Boston obviously made the finals yeah. this year, and Boston's going to be uh, another you know potential top three team in the East. But yeah, yeah I love it. I love where they're headed. I think this was a big stabilization off season for Philly uh, in a way that um, if you've followed the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast over the years, there have not been many of these. And it's been great for the the health where, (laughs) yeah, this is one where there should at least be a modicum of uh, health for Mike Levin and Spike Eskin. Uh, God love them. Okay. Uh, two two or three smaller deals here. Uh, John Wall to the Clippers looks like he's going to get his buyout from Houston. He's going to go sign with LA. Great, cool. Sounds yeah. sounds good to me. I dig it. I'm really impressed with how much money the Clippers are willing to spend. Like Steve Ballmer has to be held oh, up great. as like as like this is the dude you want to own your team because they're not getting John Wall on the minimum. They're getting John Wall on the mid level exception. Like that six point what four or five million dollars. The mini mid level. A mini mid level. Like and that's what yep. Wall gave back to to Houston to get out of the deal. So he'll be made whole. Good on John Wall, because hey man, if you've been through the injuries he has, someone's gonna give you that kind of money. Do not say no. But uh yeah. listen, Reggie Jackson can only take a team so far. I think the Clippers uh maybe not anymore because of this wall spike and, and they did a great job in re signing Zubach. Um, on a very reasonable deal for the caliber of player he is, uh, they're yeah. they might. And by the way, be, we got to see other some thing stuff that, that they could be too. the favorites. Yeah. The other thing with that is too on the Zubats deal, it speaks again to Steve Ballmer. Like they could oh, have yeah. had Zubach this year 
for seven and a half million dollars and been cool with it. Mm-hmm. And that's not what they're doing. They're paying them yeah. more. They're, you know, knocking them up a little bit in terms of money. Dude, so yeah, no, hundred percent. Like courts all over LA. He's paying Kawhi to do effectively nothing for the Los Angeles Clippers for a couple of years, giving him a new contract. You know, it's Paul George. And now, you know, this John Wall thing, paying him yep. more than really you had to if you pressed him. Like, they're in it. They're in it to win a championship, and they got as good of a shot as anybody. Resigning Nick Batum as well, looks True. like, for they $10 won. million a year. Yeah. Like, right. they gone cheap. They're they spending. Could, they, good on them. Yeah. I think that if we're going to shit on owners, which I'm about to do here in a second <laughs> um, with this next deal, we're going to talk about, I think we need to praise good owners that yeah. are willing to spend. Steve Ballmer is willing to spend good for him. Yeah. Denver. Can you explain so Denver this trades, to like, what the fuck? I can. So Denver okay. trades Monte Morris and Will Barton for Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Ish Smith. So I think that, so they save a bunch of money here. This gets them very, very, this actually gets them underneath the tax and it gets them to the point where I think like with one more minor move, they can actually use their mid-level exception at this point. Um, I think that what they're envisioning is that Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a better fit for them as a 3 and D defensive player next to Jamal Murray next to mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. Um, you know, at the two than Will Barton is Will Barton like did not have a great year this year. No. And no. I think that it's important to note that uh, his idealized fit is not exactly what this role is. Like he's a little bit better. as like sixth man as opposed to being, mm-hmm you know, a fifth starter, right? Like he can handle the ball. He can do a lot of different things, right? On top Mm -hmm. of that, like, well, Barnes from Baltimore, like he's going home. Like, I think that honestly, Denver like kind of made right by him a little bit in this, like sending him home to like an area that he's like excited about. Yeah. Um, The the part of this I don't really get is Monte Morris and like trading him for Ish Smith. I guess the, like they might be envisioning this more as like, Will Barton for Ish Smith and then Monte Morris for KCP um, just in terms of like the value adds. I still think they come out a little bit worse here, but ultimately yeah. this this is about money and they're trying to save money mm-hmm. here. And yeah. it is now a real, uh, I know that they're paying three max deals with Nikola Jokic, mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., but we now have a pattern of this Denver ownership group trying to avoid the tax when they can, not being willing to pony up to keep one of the five best executives in the NBA in Tim right. Connolly, uh, not being willing to just pay the tax to keep the guys that you have. Mm-hmm. The thing that like Tim Connolly, when he was there, he always preached culture, keeping the guys that were there with you, keeping the guys that built this up from you, built this up with you. That's the way that like they wanted to build their team. And I I don't know, this this seems like a departure from that. And I don't know that I blame Calvin Booth for it. I I think it's more um, how much is ownership willing to spend on this roster? And I, uh, maybe they want some more certainty on how Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are going to come back before going deep into the tax. But like Mm -hmm. at some point you got to spend 
you got to spend to win in the NBA. And I, yeah. I, I feel bad for Nikola Jokic that I have questions on this ownership group now. It's – you can pass it off as fit. I do think that there's an argument to be made that you can reasonably, with some effort, say, oh, this is a better fit for the Denver Nuggets. And with Washington really – And you can. You can. Yeah. But we know that's not yeah. the ideal reason. What kills me is Stan Kroenke, who owns the team, just won the Stanley Cup with his hockey team, the Avalanche, just won the Super Bowl with yep. his football team, the Rams. Uh, so yep. we get to blame Arsenal for this, which makes me very happy. <laughs> How did I know this was going? How did I know that was happening? Like I, I should, I should have seen that coming from a mile away, and I didn't. I just and hate Arsenal. That's my fault. I'm not even a, <laughs> I'm a Liverpool fan. I just hate Arsenal. I don't know why. I that's, hate Arsenal even more fault. than I love Liverpool sometimes. Uh, listen um, for the, for the Wizards this team in, like this look, team entirely. Can we talk about the Nuggets here for a half second? Though you're right about yeah, Murray, yeah, yeah, but like this team is so reliant on Michael Porter Jr. and that is a really scary sentence. This is the Missouri in you talking. Yeah. I got experience. <laughs> I got the credit, this is, this is all. This is, this is the Missouri. No, but look, Michael Porter Jr. is a guy that had injury questions coming into the NBA. He obviously had the back injury this past year that was concerning. I, I have some concerns on trusting Michael Porter Jr. to stay healthy. I think that's a completely reasonable take. Even if he um, plays, even if he plays, he is so abysmal on the defensive side of the court. And this NBA is about, if we had yeah. to narrow it down to one position, it's two-way wings, guys who can get it done on both ends of the court. And he can really get it done on one end of the court, man. And then he gives it all the way up. I mean, if he even has a halfway shitty game offensively, he's unplayable. He's unplayable. And that's a real problem. But you, I would you hope know what, that it though, changes. Like, it's fixable. That's the thing. He's so talented that it's fixable. And he needs to be willing to lock in and do that. And I hope he is. Like, I, I, I would genuinely hope, so. hope he not is. Because if he's not, if he's not, Denver is losing its this is this is the real problem that I have with this deal beyond the ownership thing. Denver is losing its margin for error in terms of its creation. It has moved now Monte Morris and Will Barton, both of whom are strong creators. I know they have Bones Highland. I know they just drafted Peyton Watson that they're hoping hoping can pick up the slack there in mm-hmm. that regard a couple years down the road. You know, I yeah. know they just drafted Christian Brown. Like they're losing their margin for error this year. In terms of shot creation, in terms mm-hmm. of um, guys who can make life easier for Nikola Jokic at times, um, if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., both of whom are coming off of long-term injuries, yeah. uh, play fewer games or don't stay healthy this year or something goes wrong, you're losing your margin for error, and I don't love that. I think that that is a mistake given the situation that they're in. It's very Portland-esque. It feels very Portland-like after the 2019 season, where it's just like they, they just you lose a little but, but bit. You know what, though? Paul, Paul Allen paid the tax. Paul Allen paid the tax like crazy. Yeah. And then, then, then he died. The trust didn't. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Do you have any other exciting things like like the Dante DiVincenzo option was declined or uh, the qualifying offer was not extended? That's a bit surprising, right? What is that? Does Sacramento have like a move that they imagine is going to happen? And if so, what fairy tale world do they live in? Are they going to get Julius Randle? Can they get two ball dominant fours in a league where the four shouldn't exist? Is that the play? Like, what the hell is Sacramento doing? I don't get them. They're very frustrating. Yeah. To me, to me, this says that it's possible his injuries are a little bit worse than you would think. Um, I don't yeah. know that. This is not me reporting that, but like, no, I no, no. Yeah. If that's, that's fair speculation. Case. Yeah. Because um, now Milwaukee has moved off of him as a guy that they really could have used last year. Sacramento mm-hmm. has moved off of him. Yeah. Maybe not. The other one that is surprising to me on a little bit of a level, not like a major level. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Kobe Price from the Orlando Sentinel, um, the Orlando Magic are not going to tender a qualifying offer to Mo Bamba. So Mo Bamba yeah. is an unrestricted free agent. That I would imagine is simply that Mo Bamba's qualifying offer is enormous. Yeah. Um, if I was another team, I, if I needed a center, I would be targeting Mo. Mo had an interesting year last year. He needs to continue to improve as a shooter, but Mm -hmm. his rim protection and shooting potential is very interesting to me. Uh, Like for instance, if I was Atlanta or if I was Mm -hmm. Miami, Mm -hmm. I would be exploring avenues to take a look at potentially getting him. Um, The reason I say Atlanta is because the idea of Mo Bamba whether or not that's actualized yet or not. And I think Mo right. is a really interesting player and had a really good year this year uh, that helped him actualize some of that potential. Uh, he is the kind of guy that I think works really well with John Collins, and that would allow you to keep John Collins. Mm-hmm. You don't have to use Mo as like a pick and pop big. You can use him as like a floor right. spacing, you know, corner three point shooter and then use him as your, like your drop coverage big. You have John Collins kind of on the backside. John has improved in terms of positional defense, situational defense. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you can move Clint Capella for another offer. You have Anyeka Kongwu already, who right. I think they're fans of and they would like to potentially open up some playing time for. Um, you know, that's interesting to me. Miami, it, uh, I've seen a report already here. Uh, Miami might have interest in Mo Bamba. I mean, good God, don't give Miami Mo Bamba. Like that's that's the kind of thing that like that's the kind of thing where we all look at it in a year's time and go, Uh, oh, how did Miami get this guy who's averaging like 15 points in three blocks a game? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. What what kind of what kind of payday do you think Mo Baba would get? Because you could also I I know there's increasing complications like I could see it like a Nerland's Noel where he has to sort of take a really low offer on kind of one year. It's like a bet on himself situation. I don't know if it's gotten to that point with Mo just yet, but when you keep saying like potential and, you know, possibilities, like, yeah, that's tantalizing, but with so few teams actually with salary cap space, yeah. uh, I mean, is someone going to want to use a mid-level, even the mini mid-level or something like that on a Mo Bamba. I don't, I don't know if the market's going to be that robust. Here's an interesting one. Should Phoenix chase him? Interesting indeed. They're not just going to ride Bismack Biombo all the way to the gates of hell. Is that not the plan anymore? Um, 
I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but I, I like the idea of them replacing DeAndre with Mo Bamba. Is like, you know, yeah. he'll be big for Bob. He can pick and pop a little bit at the very least. Uh, he certainly has potential to shoot. Um, I, I kind of dig that one. It's uh, a great, it's a great idea. Are you certain Aiton's gone from Phoenix? Obviously, that's where everything looks to be trending. I, I'm like, reading the tea leaves on that. Yeah. Like I'm not certain. Just, no, I, I would not say yeah. I'm certain on that. Handicap it for me. Right now, just your gut. I mean, we, we know I, what I mean, we know. Look, and, yeah. All this is all based on my gut and based off of yeah. reporting. Yeah. I mean, it seems extremely likely that he's not gonna be there at this point. I, I don't know. Like I, I don't know what the number is uh, but like here's the other thing that has happened in the last couple of days detroit has drafted jalen duran so mm-hmm. they've also taken up a bunch of their cap space with these knicks contracts that you know likely take them out of a deandre eight and sweepstakes um i don't think oklahoma city's gonna like pair deandre eight with chet holmgren um I don't know who the team is for DeAndre at the end of the day. seems like the Knicks are not going to go for DeAndre because they're not going to sign Mitchell Robinson and they're going to use their money on Jalen Brunson. Um, Because the the thing the whole way has been Phoenix doesn't want to match a max on DeAndre. I would assume that there is a team. I would assume there's a team out there that is going to give them the max. If I was Chicago, for instance, I would be interested in seeing if Phoenix has um, like any, but like they're close to, they're so close to the apron though. So they can't really even do like a Nikola Vucevic sign and trade. So that doesn't work. So no, no, that never mind. That doesn't work. Um, I mean, Atlanta is a name that's, it's hard to find the spot, but like that doesn't make any sense. Um, Charlotte. I mean, you can make a case for it, but yeah, no. Charlotte, maybe, but, you know, they just drafted Mark Williams. That's another team that, you know, I think yeah. there was a case to be made, but just drafted Dallas a guy. Dallas got their center right? in so, Christian Wood. Dallas, so it's it's San Antonio is the spot. Like, it's – if he's going to get, like, a very <laughs> high level son match, of a bitch. He worked it all the way San back. Antonio. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I did. I'm pretty good at this, aren't I? Sandbag. Uh, yeah, no, I like it, if he's going to get it, it's probably going to be San Antonio, I would think. But maybe he does yeah. just stay there. It'd be hilarious if he took the qualifying offer. He should. I think that's a bad idea for him for what it's worth. Like, I think he should take his money, uh, go get his money. But yeah, I wonder. I don't know. De- DeAndre's in a weird spot. It's hard because there are not many landing spots because there are not many teams that want to invest this crazy amount of money in bigs. Mm-hmm. Um and it seems like Phoenix wants him back only at a certain price point, let's say, yeah. is maybe the like best language. There's also just so, not a lot of parallels. There's not a lot of examples of stuff like this happening. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of one. Yeah. Um, so. Former number one overall pick has had a really strong run in the playoffs, yeah. but there are still questions uh, about his overall upside. Yeah, he's like, like you can years make old, so many different cases for what the future of DeAndre Ayton looks like. Like yeah. there was a point in the playoffs where um prior to the Dallas series, I was like, is this guy like already a top five center in the league? Mm-hmm. Like is is that a thing? Like are, are we yeah. are we at that point? 
And I then think he's the, the Dallas series happens and you start to you're yeah. a big fan? I'm a big fan of Aiden. But the, I am too. But I, I don't disagree with sort of the positional matrix that, that limits how much you should be investing in a five. Um, because as yeah. versatile as he is, as valuable as he can be on the perimeter, as much as you can switch a bunch of stuff, as much as he has that great pick and pop game, like all of these things, there's a cap and there's ways that if you catch the wrong matchup, he can really get, he can really get exposed. And I don't think that that's anything about him. I think that that's just the fact that he's not uh, the truest of all the unicorns because you can, you know, he's not, he's not an MVP caliber player. He's a borderline all-star caliber player. Well, the, and, the, yeah. the thing he needs to be willing to do is just be more physical. Like he needs to punish dudes like Maxi Kleba, like, yeah. you know, the smaller ball centers that get played on him. He has to be yeah. willing to just be like, fuck this. I'm taking over and he has all of the skill to do it. We just haven't seen it from him yet. And we saw that transition from frustrating years ago. I mean, there was a point where you're like, Joe, just wreck this dude. And when it clicked, it clicked, but you know, it's also Phoenix. I mean, that has to be part of the conversation. I think other teams wouldn't have allowed it to get to this point where, you know, they're, they're, they're counting cents on the dollar. Other teams, Mm. they, they would have maxed them. I think like it it would have been the question of instead of um, instead of not being willing to pay him max money, let's try Mm -hmm. to pay him max money and get a team option on the fifth year. What it would have been like how they could have tried to like get a win. Right. But yeah, no, I think Phoenix plays a huge role here and like Robert Sarver and what they want to do here. But you know, this is a front office that I have some questions about for reasons that you alluded to earlier in regard to the draft. Um, <laughs> I think they have smart people in that front offices, by the way, they do. or in that front they office. Do. Like, I, it's not, um, it's not like a whole front office thing. I just worry, like, yeah, why, why don't you care about the draft at all? Why are you not paying DeAndre? You have this contender now. Yeah, make it work. I don't know. This might have been their window. That's what sucks. Yeah, that's that's the killer. If they lose Aiton, it's it's impossible for me, even if they get a Mo Bamba, to make the argument that they're still a true top tier team, and they were they were the best team in the NBA in the regular season, and they caught a crappy matchup that they didn't take advantage of, and it went seven. By the way, Uh, and had they played the Warriors, that would have been a very different Western Conference Finals. Uh, no, doesn't, you know, I'm not going to proxy championship them or anything, but oof, come on now. Come on now, Phoenix. You got it. You got it. You've been selling out every game. Just pay the man his money and give it a run. He only gets so many more I years think, to Chris Paul. I think this is, uh, this, this is the point where, again, we get back to ownership, pay the money. If you're going to buy a pay team, money. pay the money. If you are going to own an NBA team, pay these guys their money. That's what it comes down to. You're going to make money hand over fist because your franchise value is going to skyrocket. Pay these dudes their money if you're going to buy a team. That's the that's the lesson of this podcast, I think. You are not you are not in fact the owner of the team. You are merely Peter Gruber said this on the Colin Coward podcast. You're merely the steward of the team. You merely are the shepherd of the team, and you're doing it for a whole bunch of other people. But you have to take care 
of the team. And the goal is very clear. It's win a championship. Yep. When is the Phoenix since Charles Barkley was there since, you know, Steve Nash's MVP season. It's like, when can the Phoenix Suns for 15 fucking years, when could they say, Hey, we are a championship team. And they were right there. Finals, best record in the NBA the following season. They're right there. And they're going to back out now. Yeah. Ownership is the ultimate differentiation point. And, uh, the teams that got good owners are going to take advantage. Yep. Okay. Dieter, have you watched any fun movies recently? I don't know. I saw the, um, the Brian Cranston lottery movie. It was, uh, like something like, I have not watched that yet. Is it good? It is. I got through the entire thing. I didn't dislike it out of four stars. It is the definitive two and a half star movie. I don't think I've ever seen nice. a more two and a half star movie. It's almost <laughs> as if it was originally on basic cable. Like they, it just yeah. like, it started on TNT. I'm, it was, it was <laughs> just fine. It was just fine. Uh, but I just rewatched the entirety of the wire and Good that shit, you. that shit's incredible. I mean, it bangs. I'm, it's so good. I'm, trying to watch that new the new one that damon simon's doing on hbo and it's like this does not slap the same way no sir i haven't watched that yet i've heard it's good i just haven't gotten to it yet it's good but it ain't the fucking wire sam so i watched interceptor on i haven't even heard of that Interceptor. it's the one with elsa pataki where you've seen her and she's like holding herself like with one arm from like uh what looks like a helicopter helicopter like okay. thing that the helicopter lands on yeah, um like the helicopter yeah yeah it's the closest thing i've seen to an early 90s steven seagal movie since then say no more <laughs> i'm in <laughs> and it's like look it's ridiculous and just in the same way that those like fucking under siege and hard to kill you knew what you were signing up for this you knew movie, exactly what you wanted you know what you're signing up for yeah it is it, it it's it she's like she's perfect because like it's they know how to use her they know how to use her like ability they know um like that she's really fun and like really just like a good action star okay. uh the bad guys are just the worst people on the planet and it's uh there the script is not very good but you know what it rules (laughs) it rules i'm sorry this movie's getting terrible reviews i think i saw on rotten tomatoes it's at like 20 percent. this movie is fucking fun and i don't care well it, it, it sounds like it's operating you see that you're not there's no clickbait to that movie like you're you know exactly what you want you're getting exactly that doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's going to win any awards, but it is fulfilling. Yes. It's just, that's great. Which is the opposite of, of course, the Ben Affleck classic, The Accountant, which was billed as an action movie and was in fact the greatest comedy of the 21st century. <laughs> Shout out The Accountant. I watched that um, on my flight back from the United States after I had COVID. It hilarious. just is like, it works. <laughs> I'm it's sorry. Just, it's, it's just a, hilarious. It's a good movie. My wife and I have never laughed harder in a movie theater 
and no one else was laughing with us. And that's when I decided that I had to propose to this woman. Uh, we just, we couldn't get oh. enough. And then the, the biggest belly laugh of all, uh, what was it? The, the, that theater over the Cineplex over in, uh, the Westfield, was it the West side mall over, over by where I was at on Pico, uh, <laughs> going to the bathroom and some lady comes out of the account and goes, that was so good. And I haven't laughed that hard since that was just the funny, like, they're just like, you took that <laughs> shit seriously. Did you, has Top Gun made it down to Australia, Sam? Yes, I've seen Top Gun Maverick. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's it's a beautiful movie. Why was Tom Cruise staring into the camera for that many minutes? There was like at least five <laughs> minutes of Tom Cruise just sort of staring into the camera and smiling in, in, aggreg- in, in, in cumulative total. And at a certain point, it kind of got weird. I feel like they like punched it up it. that way. It was, it was very good. It was very good. It was just, it was strange. There was a strangeness to that film. I feel like <laughs> it should be. I feel like it should be studied. Like, there, like there's hidden messages or something. Like, I don't know what was going. Oh, on. Oh, it should definitely movie. be studied. <laughs> it, it's it's weird for all the things you're saying, but it's also like great. Like it, it yeah. hits all of the notes possible. Like the rhythm is perfect. It, it's, it was very well. Written. It's a great movie. It didn't. Um, I, I appreciate how little it dicked around. It's like, we don't really need to develop yes, that plot yeah. any further. You got the gist. Let's move on and blow some shit up. And it's like, you know what? Yeah. And like, unlike, unlike everything else I'm in, like I showed up for some dog fighting. Let's see it. Yeah. And like, you don't even know like who they're fighting. Like it's just nope. random country, right? Nope. It, it's just here. Let's go. Insert Top Gun Maverick. I'm in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I talked a lot about Cha Cha Real Smooth on the last podcast. I would implore you to watch it. It is Let's on Apple the, TV. It is. What's, what's her name? Uh, Dakota Johnson. Dakota movie. Johnson and Cooper Rafe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll watch it. It's good. Very good. I trust your recommendations. I hear that it's uh, it's unpretentious, which is hard to believe considering yeah. Dakota Johnson's in it. You know what? I'm a big Dakota Johnson fan. I am. I think that she is becoming very good at serving other actors that she's acting on screen with uh, in a very unpretentious way, actually. That's good. Like, she is, like, not the main... She's, like, the cipher. She's, like, the Mm. avatar for you in The Lost Daughter where you have okay. Olivia Coleman is like the main right. character who's like acting, acting yeah. around her, right? Getting it's the same with Cooper Rafe in this movie. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Like getting the nominations. Like Cooper Cooper Rafe in this movie is like the most likable person on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And then you just have like Dakota Johnson here who is allowing him to be that likable and like be... Um, set him up to be that likable on screen. I think that that is ultimately like her greatest gift as an actor. I think she's actually really, really good at that. She's gone full magic Johnson is what you're saying. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Dieter, tell the people where they can find your work. <laughs> uh, San Jose Murphy News East Bay times uh, at Dieter KMBR in San Francisco. I mean, if you've made it this far, you probably already knew all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm writing this week. I'll probably have something at some point. Um, when was the last time you took some time producers. off, Sam? It's been a long time. 
uh laura and i are going to bali in like late july so that that's well that's what i get for asking shout out to producers (laughs) shout out to producers zach and jacob just the best the absolute best uh we'll be back later this week uh with some more free agency stuff could be as soon as tomorrow could be as soon as the next day we'll see how crazy free agency gets on july 30th but until next time we will talk soon Thank you.